You are now listening to Creative Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's up, everybody? This is Reggie, aka Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters Podcast. This is episode 16. I can't believe that four months has gone by already. It's flown by. But thank you guys for listening to the episodes and rocking with us, leaving reviews, sharing it out with your friends. If you haven't listened to previous episodes, we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play, or on our website at creativemasterspodcast.com. So be sure to go back and listen to any episodes that you missed. They're all great. Some very, very dope people on each one of those this week we got my homie jake burke he's a director and a producer he's actually from my hometown we went to school together but now he's out in la working on a bunch of different tv shows producing his own documentaries and directing those as well and just totally killing it so we talk about his background and a couple of risks that he took to get to where he's at now i knew of my abilities and i knew i was capable and i knew that it was an opportunity i wanted to jump on Mm -hmm. and in those moments you just got to trust yourself Mm -hmm. and and leap and take that leap of faith then of course we talk a lot about hustling and we talk about passion and how much you got to have to survive in the entertainment industry oh man if you don't have passion for this industry you will not survive <laughs> that's that's 100% there's been times when I've been pushed where I thought you know I was going to my limit and I was mm-hmm. thinking wow you know like is this is this really what I want to do we also talk about working with celebrities and a little thing called set etiquette for all of you people out there who are listening uh, and you want to get into this industry number one number one number one set etiquette we get into this and so much more it was a very valuable conversation i learned a lot and i'm glad to see the homies doing great things so sit back relax and be inspired this is episode 16 of the creative masters podcast featuring jake burke going on everybody this is reggie aka nobody famous you're listening to the creative masters podcast today we got a dope guest he's a director and producer he's out of la and he's back and forth between the atlanta area and la um he's my dude jake burke what's going on my man hey not much just uh enjoying the time off from a little uh busy schedule from uh you know shooting live tv out here in la no doubt no doubt yeah so just so the listeners know i met Oh, we went to high school together, but I remember back in the day, about, I don't know, 12 years ago or so now, I remember you and Drew, a mutual friend, Drew, used to come to the studio and stuff like that and kind of hang out. So we're definitely going to get into all that. But why don't you kind of just introduce yourself, give like a quick 60-second elevator speech of like who you are, where you're from, what you do, and we'll go from there. All right. Uh, So I'm a director-producer currently in L.A., um, focusing right now on – Producing reality TV, documentaries, commercials, music videos, PSAs, uh, just kind of all around involved in a lot of the, uh, the visual media here. And I have a specific focus on uh, really creating positive content and being focused on, you know, what, uh, what our influence or how our influence affects others, you know, with uh, 
with the responsibility that we have yeah, um, in sure. the media industry. So, you know, <clears throat> direct and produce, man, just trying to entertain. That's what's up. That's what's up. So tell me, um, when did you like kind of like a little bit deeper into your background? When did you get into like the storytelling and the and the film and everything like that? Because I don't know, were you into it back in uh, like 2005 or so when y'all used to come by the studio? Oh yeah, um, you know my uh, my interest started uh, much much before that. I'd say probably six years before we ended up Drew and I coming over to the studio and hanging out mm-hmm. with you guys. Um, you know, I'd, I'd always uh, picked up a camera and told stories visually. You know, I made my first my first uh, quote unquote movie mm-hmm. uh, when I was thirteen. It was like a little five minute film uh, that I shot on a high camera and then plugged in uh vcr into a one of those tvs with a monitor in it mm-hmm. plugged in a blank tape and kind of edited this little movie and and that's kind of where it all began yeah for sure do you do you find that um because you're a couple years older or younger than me excuse me but do you find that like that last little bit of like working with like analog technology and things like that helped you in your career as opposed to like someone now who's just pretty much like all digital if they get into it yeah, yeah. You know, I even I even caught the tail. I, I, I caught the uh, when I got into it, I, I kind of missed that film side. The first thing I jumped into was, you know, analog. And it was definitely a lot different than <laughs> what you have to work with today, because uh, producing content just uh, gets easier and easier as technology. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of grows. But uh, but yeah, so I got into it young. And then by the time uh, we kind of when our uh, paths really crossed at the studio, you know, we had been shooting for years now. And Drew and I, like you mentioned, uh, were kind of creative partners in a way. We would just kind of riff off each other, come up with crazy ideas, mm-hmm. and then execute. Yeah, um, sure. So I think even by that point, we had trying to kind of change the curriculum in school where, you know, <clears throat> in literature class, where you do an essay, you know, we'd approach the teachers and be like, hey, We'll put in more work into a video mm-hmm. presentation, and we'd make crazy videos, you know, uh, retellings of Oliver Twist and <laughs> dumb things like that. But yeah, yeah, that's, but, you yeah. Know, but it was cool. I'm just, I'm sure that was cool to do. Did any of the teachers let you do it? Yeah, you know, it was uh, started in freshman year, um, and then every year, or somehow, we'd convince our teachers just to let it happen. So they uh, always embraced it, and it was cool. Yeah, for sure. So why don't you tell um, everybody who's listening just kind of like where we're from and the area we're from so they kind of get an idea that's like there's really probably nothing to do but like make music and shoot videos and stuff like that. Like what, yeah. what's kind of like your take on our hometown? Man, we first off, we were from a, a gym of a place. <laughs> it's uh, Lake Lanier is, is what I like to call Gainesville. You know, it is Lake Lanier because we grew up, you know, on the lake, wakeboarding, skateboarding kind of with that uh at our disposal at all times so naturally we wanted to start you know making our own really action sports type videos and and uh you know it's it's the town we're from is pretty small so you got to entertain yourself and when you have the whole place to run free and a couple tools at your disposal then you're gonna find ways to express your creativity yeah for sure i totally agree um so tell me what year was it that you moved to la uh, I moved to LA in 2009, beginning of 2009. 
Yeah, because see, I remember when you had hit me up. I was about to. Uh, I was actually about to head back to Georgia when you had uh, went out there. You went out there for yeah, school, that's so. right. We had a little crossover for there for a minute there. Yeah, it was like probably a few <laughs> months or so. So tell me, um, just about your schooling there. You went to the what school <clears throat> did you go to? So I went to a, uh, the Los Angeles Film Schools one year program. Okay. Uh, I felt like at that point in my life, I was twenty three. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really want to dive into you know two four years of. Mm-hmm of uh you know like a master's program in film i just wanted the professional understanding of you know how to use really my my talents and how Mm -hmm. to direct that so that the fact that the school was in la like right right in hollywood uh it it really opened the doors for opportunities as long as you would hustle Mm -hmm. you know it's going to school five days a week and then hustling on the weekends you know shooting yeah practicing what you learned and then hitting up Craigslist to see what you can snag up and stumble into, you know. And then yeah, yeah. through throughout like all of all of the uh, the people that you meet in school, out of school, in the neighborhood, you know. This if you try to find yourself in you know social scenarios with other creatives, things just bud and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, so so <clears throat> you know that that first year was really integral to. Um, you know, the start of my career out here in L.A. because it's been, what, 2016? It's been coming up on eight years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you said a lot of good things I definitely want to touch on, especially around just being around other creatives and um, hustling and things like that. But I want to uh, kind of touch on some other things first. So what was it like um, moving from, you know, Gainesville, Lake area, small town to big city L.A.? Was it like culture shock for you or did you just kind of hit the ground running? Like what was that experience for you? Uh, it's a bit of both. It's the biggest culture shock that uh, I think I could have experienced. You know, mm-hmm. East Coast to the West Coast, small town to a big town. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I once, when I first moved there, walked or hiked up to the top of Runyon Canyon, looked out mm-hmm. over see everything. millions and millions of people, and said, uh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an impression on this town." Mm-hmm. And uh, at at that point, that's when the hustle really started and you know I, I just never stopped so it was uh yeah it was it, it was interesting you know the the two towns are <clears throat> they're different in a lot of ways but hollywood i will say is the biggest small town i've ever lived in mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah I, I can understand that especially like when you're in a certain industry because even though there's like millions and millions of people tens of millions of people like it's still like when you're in that industry like in any particular industry, it seems like it's like a small town because you start to run across a lot of the same people and meet a lot of mutual friends and things like that, and it kind of makes it seem a bit smaller than what it actually is. Yeah, really. I mean, for instance, uh, two days ago, I met <clears throat> I met the studio at CBS Radford filming uh, Lip Sync Battle, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is nominated for Emmy. I think uh, we will find out today or tomorrow whether or not we got our Emmy nod. But uh, nice, nice. Yeah, fingers crossed. So I'm in the studio. <clears throat> we're shooting away, and then the exec, this executive walks in. Uh, not, you know, I had no idea he was going to be there, mm-hmm. but he was the very first guy who took a risk on me and gave me my first producing job. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, every day you're going you're gonna to run into someone who you've worked with in the past and who you'll work with in the future, and and that's why, you know, the relationships you develop are so important. Yeah, I mean, I think relationships are everything for sure. Um, well, yeah. that's one thing that that, that that Gainesville, I feel like, really helped 
helped me develop is you know relationships is that small town feel that mm -hmm. that that respect for your you know your neighbors and i don't know just kind of kind of all that so the fact that i did grow up in gainesville in a small town i feel like has really helped me overall yeah and i think that people kind of forget too when they're like in a big city like that since there's so many people, it's like, oh, people don't know each other, or don't won't get around of like if you screw somebody over, but it definitely will. So you have to, oh yeah, um, you know, what I mean, you gotta you gotta treat it like with that small town vibe and with respect for people and stuff, because people are gonna talk, and once you get, you know, somebody's black book or something, you ain't gonna get no work. So oh, it's true, it's true. <laughs> bad bad uh, bad reviews spread much quicker than good reviews, unfortunately. Yep, exactly. So uh, uh, wish it were the other way around, but mm, you know. Yeah, this is you just can't have what you want. Yep. Yes, sir. So for everybody who's listening, because I mean, I've had a bunch of different people on here from music producers. I had a um, like a, another TV producer on here, comedians, all kinds of all kinds of cool people. So why don't you kind of explain what um, you know you do, kind of like on a day to day, like what a director is and what a producer is for the people who are listening who may be like, oh, I didn't know that's exactly what they do and might be aspiring to do that. Okay, cool. So um, I've I've held a you know, a, a, a handful of different roles in this industry trying to make it to where I am. Mm -hmm. um, and and so my day-to-day, -day, like, uh, money, well, my six-day-a-week job right now is uh, a senior producer on Lip Sync Battle. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, that, that entails a lot of things. I, I, I liaise with uh, the network Spike TV um, in order to uh, make sure that, you know, they get what they need for uh for for promoting our show um and then i work with the behind the scenes crew or the behind the scenes team to create uh packages for the show that will air just before their stage performances mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so it really requires a good bit of research uh during the week and planning to figure out okay so we have you know this celebrity coming on they're going to battle this celebrity and we got to, you know, find a competitive edge to kind of develop. And then, uh, you know, the, the fun nature of the show to consider while, you know, coming up with our plan of, uh, of capture in order to get, you know, the most mm -hmm. engaging content on TV. And then when it comes to show day, we work with a crew. Uh, I, I work in the field directing, you know, a, a camera operator talent and then a full crew mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, capture that material. Now, directing, <clears throat> directing is a whole, a whole nother beast. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I've had this, uh, this documentary that I've been directing for uh, about two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. uh, directing, producing, all that. So, like, when you get your hands, like when it comes to, you know, creating a project that you want to direct. For instance, I've got several films that I've been writing in the narrative world that I intend on directing in the future. So, the amount of preparation and research and and writing and and just and thinking and and uh, you know spitballing ideas and, and brainstorming and living life, you know, yeah. to figure out what is the most meaningful thing in a scene to relate to an audience, you know, and so you know that when it comes to you know putting it putting a you know, like a film together, whether it be short or narrative, I mean, or feature, you know, you, 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 you really got to dig deep and think about, you know, 
themes and relationships and characters and mood and tone and and then and then gather that material to uh, to kind of paint your picture beforehand so that when you do approach somebody to actually get funding for a project mm-hmm. they, they they can see a clear vision and they can see the you know the the the, the point and the reason and the the purpose for your uh, you know your project and mm-hmm. and and first and foremost you just got to be passionate oh yeah definitely and how important do you think it is to uh to be passionate in, in your career and what you do <laughs> oh oh man if you don't have passion for this industry you will not survive <laughs> that's that's 100 percent. there's been times when i've been pushed where i thought you know I was going to my limit and I was mm-hmm. thinking, wow, you know, like, is this, is this really what I want to do? Mm-hmm. Is this, it, it, am I, am I making the difference that I've set out here to make? Uh, you know, what, what, you know, what am I doing? If, if I, if I didn't have a love for it every day, uh, then I, I'd be gone. I'd be, <clears throat> be back in Gainesville, you know, mm-hmm. Lord, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd probably be teaming up with you somehow. <laughs> <laughs> we still, we still be getting in though. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> So let me ask you, let's unpack a few things because you went a lot of good places. So you were talking about just those relationships and that eject- executive walked in that gave you your first job. So what was that first job that you had? So that first uh, producing job that I had was an associate producer on an NBC show called The Sing-Off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was um, this. That was the season that uh, a group called Pentatonics uh took the title oh yeah and they've been it's huge like ever since yeah oh yeah they, they blew up and they're truly amazing uh so that was my first uh associate that's my first producing job as an associate producer mm-hmm. um but but i took my talents of um shooting and implemented them in the show and i ended up being utilized as kind of a shooter producer and picking up picking up bites and mm-hmm. you know help fix packages and and uh you know hustling to get the story mm-hmm. but uh one one thing this is this and this is a technological crossover you know like we mentioned earlier technology can kind of help you create content and get you into places and whatnot um around that time the 7d <laughs> the canon 7d came out and mm-hmm. uh you know i jumped on that bandwagon real quick and i was like okay this this shallow depth of field because i had the cinema background through film school mm-hmm. i understand that this large sensor gave you the look of a, a film camera which you would see on tv mm-hmm. and so i was like that's the tool i need and that i can afford <laughs> yeah uh that will you know allow me to help better tell story because when you control focus you're you know you've got that 16 by 9 image to tell a story mm-hmm. if you want to be focused on something so anyways so the particular production was looking for a shooter producer who could operate a 7d and kind of be a one-man show and uh that's you (laughs) well exactly they said uh can you recommend somebody you know like a a shooter producer like that i was like well i got shooters that could do it and i got some producers but uh you know i'd love to recommend myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that was a fairly bold move uh i I think but they were like send me a resume let's do it i got hired and then uh that's when the journey really began nice and was there something um kind of like in you that just made you like go out and just be like, I'm going to recommend myself instead of like trying to play it safe and be like, well, I'll just recommend somebody. Yeah. Well, I felt, yeah. You know, part of me was like, okay, for if I would have truly thought that this production would have benefited 
with someone else, mm-hmm. then by all means, I would have tra- I would have taken that that bigger picture and, and recommended somebody else. But I knew of my abilities, and I knew I was capable, and I knew that it was an opportunity I wanted to jump on. Mm-hmm. And at, in those moments, you just got to trust yourself mm-hmm. and and leap and take that leap of faith. Um, but you won't have that trust in yourself if you haven't proven it to yourself in the past. Yeah, you know, on your own. And for me. You know, I, I, I don't like making an ass of myself. I don't like making an ass of somebody else. Uh, so I have to prove it to myself before I feel comfortable mm-hmm. proving it to others, you know. And, and let me ask you, I, I think I have a good idea what the answer is going to be, but how do you prove it to yourself? <sighs> you you don't let things get in your way when you have an idea. Mm-hmm. It's that, that hard-nosed, stubborn Self, that hard-nosed, stubborn ego, not the one that that uh, will screw everything come, up. That comes down, yeah, but just that the ego saying, "This is this is my vision. This is what I have." And then, with all your resources, and even with lack of resources, you you make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so so just do it, basically. So so, so just do it. Literally, just do it. Mm-hmm. And if it sucks, boom, you've done it. Now you can move on. You don't have to dwell on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can get it out. And, and you, you learn know, from it, too, even if it does suck. Oh, you're still going to learn. Exactly. That's the thing is you learn. You live and you learn. You work. You learn. And you learn and you grow and you grow and you succeed. And then all these things will, you know, culminate to create yourself. And then, you know, you really got to trust yourself. Yeah, for you sure. You know, when it came into uh, uh, this documentary project, my first uh, feature documentary uh, about – um, organ transplants, actually, a kidney mm-hmm. transplant. Um, it was it was just an idea, you know. I got a call from my dad, actually, my pops. He's like, "Hey, we got this uh, pretty amazing story. These dudes, are, this stranger, is basically giving his kidney to, you know, someone uh, who needs his third kidney transplant, mm-hmm. and he's, he's a friend." So, I, I, at the time, I was like, "Well, I'm doing the voice. I'm no, there's no way I'll have time." Um, whatever, but the opportunity, like a week before the transplant, two weeks before the transplant opened up that, uh, you know, potentially I could, I could with the right tools, uh, make it happen, you know, cover the story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at that, you know, Kickstarter had just come out at that time and that's a, a crowdfunding site that I was like, you know what, this might be a good platform I could use to help generate some funds Mm -hmm. to just get into production just jump so like eight days before i uh was due to leave i launched this kickstarter campaign asked for i think it was 10 like ten thousand five hundred bucks i I put together a budget and you know figured that would get me for four weeks to cover the story Mm -hmm. um and a little bit in the post and you know (laughs) marketed it shot it out tried to spread the word, get people interested. Uh, we hit our goal in the last minute, but before it was even done, I had to make the call, like, am I going to rent this gear? Am I going to buy a ticket? Am I going to plan a trip from Georgia to Baltimore, Baltimore mm-hmm. to Georgia, and take four weeks and and dedicate 22 hours a day every day for the next four weeks to someone else's life and then cover the story? Mm-hmm. And it's, it turned out to be, you know, a heck of an endeavor and, um, you know, I think that the work 
uh, you know, and the and the dedication and the and the trust and just the diving in and taking the leap of faith really proved itself and and uh, or you know it, it allowed me to to take to take that adventure and uh, you know the it speaks for itself I, I think the story mm-hmm. now speaks for itself. And did you finish? Is that release? Is that documentary release? <laughs> it's not released yet. Uh, I just I'm in, I'm in post production right now. I have a uh, fairly locked cut um and then the next steps involved with finishing a, a film is mm-hmm. uh color correction yep. you know uh you know sound design music score uh titles effects all that yep, so definitely. so it's quite a few other steps involved but uh i intend to have it released well I, I'm, I'm actually starting to submit uh, the rough cut to festivals for consideration. So I mm-hmm. will need to have it finished very soon. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's continuing to cost money. So it's I work hard so that I can then, you know, mm-hmm. raise money and to more complete you know complete that project and then hopefully put it out there and it'll be a it'll be it'll be something that will move audiences as the hope you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love documentaries. Like my uh, my good friend, he produced one like a hip hop one. He was actually the first guest on this podcast. I did the music for it and stuff. But yeah, I know the, it took him like four four years, four and a half years. So wow. I know I understand the process and everything. And it's like if I ever actually get into like a full length feature film, it would definitely be a documentary for sure. Yeah, right on. You know, I think it's uh, it's it's a great story for me. It was a great. Uh, a, a great storytelling opportunity mm-hmm. um and and like i said the, my main thing is like i want to capture authenticity mm-hmm. you know like that's that's the most real thing to me you know just not try to butter things up like just authentic real people i don't yeah. care who you are each person has something to say mm-hmm. um and if you take that that mentality um i think that you know you can spin that into your characters and narrative work you know yeah definitely so so let's uh, let's backtrack real quick a little bit back yep. to after you had got that first job um, and you recommended yourself and everything like that. So just to kind of give an example of how taking that leap of faith paid off for you, like what what jobs sprung from that first initial job after you landed that first one? Cool. So I had uh, well, it goes even before that. I was I was doing casting for uh, the sing off mm-hmm. um, a year prior, I got okay. I introduced myself to the production manager. The production manager then called me. I made that leap of faith, mm-hmm. um, and then after the sing off, my supervising producers took a show called America's Best Dance Crew, mm-hmm. and because I was able to execute on the sing off, uh, I what they asked me to come along and be a producer on. Uh, America's Best Dance Crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, those two shows, um, pre- well, they, they were discontinued for seasons until seasons later. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of all went different ways. And I, I had this real drive to get into uh, narrative. <laughs> so uh, I kind of, like I said, I've, I've had my hands in, in a lot of different aspects of this film industry. So I wanted to get back into narrative. Um, I had an opportunity. I was I was pulling focus and doing independent director of photography work uh, on the side. This mm-hmm. is part of that hustle game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the money to Friday and then the you know hustle on the side. Uh huh. And then um, so then I started jumping in um, a lot of times as an AC uh, on like bigger films, and that's kind of how I ended up 
uh, working with James Franco and, and their team, uh, the Rabbit Bandini family, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and I continued to work with them in between other projects that I would take in the reality world. Gotcha. Uh, so there was a little bit of a step away from reality, get back into scripted, take, uh, you know, take some time to, you know, produce and direct the documentary. Mm-hmm. And then I took, uh, I, I produced a few small, small, uh, independent films mm-hmm. or short films that were fairly ambitious and have done pretty well. So I, I took my skills that I had learned in or my producing work in the reality world, transferred that into the narrative world, did some of the independent projects and then came back to the reality world. You know, it's just, it's just, just a, kinda, it's a funny thing, man. Yeah. It's yeah. Really, you don't really you know, know where it's, it's going like, to take you. You just kind of got to go with it and pick up skills as you go. Yeah. And you know, sometimes I hate, I hate to feel this way sometimes, but you know, I'm like, you know, am I just, am I just that, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like you're a, you're, you're a lone wolf, like mm-hmm. worried about getting, uh, getting yourself, uh, ah, that's not the right word, not lone wolf. Um, what do you, what do you, you know, you really focus, or for me, it's, uh, it's really just doing, taking the steps to, uh, ultimately end up at your end goal because mm-hmm. I think that the end goal you know you got to have some sort of end goal in mind you know where's it going to take you and then every step along the way because this industry is so you know you could be a young kid doing big things you could be a big dude doing little things mm-hmm. you can you know you have people putting their hands in so many different places that this this industry isn't, you know, as linear. It doesn't have a, as linear growth as mm-hmm. other industries, you know. Um, so that's where the hustle comes in. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've got multiple talents that I that I that I use to to make my way and navigate through this industry um, in order to hit that, you know, end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, which, so so uh, let me let me ask you, what is that? Uh... Like, where do you see yourself in like the five or ten years? Like, kind of, what is your goal for for that time frame? I see five. I say five years. I will have, hopefully, <laughs> the goal is to sell maybe a reality format. Mm-hmm. Um, develop, hopefully, with some funding. Uh, two features that I'm working on now. Um, ten years, I'd like to have a production company. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know can produce the content uh, that that I want to create, and then offer collaborations for other production companies, you know, other interested parties to to create even bigger projects. But ideally, that would be in the feature world. Gotcha. And for those who are listening who's not familiar what exactly a production company does, will you break that down for them? Uh, yeah. Um, so. Uh, production companies can do many things. If you're focused on, uh, uh, I guess the narrative, the narrative world, then then you uh, you know you you, do, you develop you you have it can be as small or as big as as you want. You know, if you're if you're a mom and pop little you know narrative film company, then you're going to read scripts. You're going to find a project that you want to make. You're going to 
try to attach talent. You're going to try to attach directors. You're going to try to build this package based around a story that someone is interested enough in uh, in buying, essentially, because mm-hmm. you know the, you, you just build packages and try to sell. It's that's the business side. You know, build package. Here, here's what I have to offer. Sell it. Then create it. Then deliver. Then profit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, speak. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. But you know, you, you you've got you know commercial uh, commercial companies that work with agencies to make commercials and branded mm-hmm. videos. What I mean, with you've got music video companies like London London Alley Entertainment. There, they rep a whole bunch of you know uh, directors, editors. They just rep these folks, and they basically you know have, have developed this reputation where they make. Every year, it like three or to five uh, nominated music videos, whether it be on like uh, you know the BET Awards, the MTV, MTV VMAs. Mm-hmm. You know, they you know they're really focused on, on what they want to do. That's that's all in the music video world, and that's that's a cool world to, to be in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, and I was going to ask you, speaking of, of selling packages and everything, what do you think of um, what Netflix has been doing the last few years? Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait for Netflix to just keep doing their thing. They, they figured it out. Yeah. Um, all of their original content is, uh, you know, is in my mind. Well, not all of it, but a, a lot of Most it. Most of it, yeah, for they, sure. They've taken they take a lot of risks, and they've, they've really um, uh, they really done, done a good job with it. But it's opened the market, you know. Mm-hmm. It's open the market a little bit. Yeah, it does seem like there's um, even kind of because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an outsider. I look at it. I, I still try to pay attention and just be aware of what's going on and read articles and stuff. But it just seems like over the last few years, it has given like a lot of filmmakers like opportunity to. And now it's almost like you'd want to go to Netflix first before you go to some other yeah, places. I mean, it seems like you know. How but, cool but, is that? Yeah, but even like a couple of years ago, it's like, well, if nobody else wants to pick it up, I can go to Netflix. And at least people, I know people are going to see it. And then now it's just like ridiculous of like the, how good the content is. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I so, mean, they're they're they've they've blown up. I remember when I first went to when I went to Sundance uh, one year, and I, I saw this logo. Netflix was sponsoring it, and I was like, Netflix? What the heck is Netflix? You know. Yeah. The, Next year, it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I remember they start. You remember they started with the DVDs a while. I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And then um, I never got into it back then. And then they had the. Um, I just got it on my little, on my Xbox one year, probably like six years ago. And there was like some good documentaries or like a random movie you haven't seen in a while, you know. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing kind of like, you know, a movie that might have came out like a year and a half ago that you just missed. So you're like, oh, I can watch this on Netflix, and then. Like House of Cards dropped, Orange is the New Black dropped, and then yep. after that, it was just like insane. So, yep. and I mean, and th- I mean again, back to the, you know, technology breeds, you know, growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, you've for me at least, we've seen that that uh, really steep incline of success for Netflix. You know, when DVDs dropped, you know, they made the streaming, they made streaming, uh, you know, like the, the thing to do. Yeah. And it made it easy. You can get on your phone, you can get on a tablet, get on your Xbox, oh, yeah. PlayStation, computer, wherever. You know, built into TVs now. So we are consumers. Yes, <laughs> yes we are. Um, so let me ask you a couple things, like work-related wise. Um, so was there ever like a a set that you were working on, like with a celeb that like you've been a fan of? Was like ever starstruck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
uh, a lot. You know, the there's been, yeah, there's been quite a few. The uh, lip sync battle, I work with celebrities all the time because mm-hmm. um, it's a celebrity show. Uh, like last last night, we had our first uh, our first live taping ever. So we had John Legend, Olivia Munn, Terry Crews, and Michael Phelps. Hmm. You know, all all there. So I was working with those uh, that those amazing folks um, for the past few days on and off. You know, mm-hmm. trying to make this show. And uh, last season we had Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan Tatum and. Uh, that in itself was really cool, and I was struck by them. But then Beyonce came out oh, wow. uh, for Channing's performance and made a surprise cameo, and that kind of just was, you know, that was a that was a cool thing. You did know? the crew know about she, that she's going to come out, or was it a surprise for y'all too? It was like, well, uh, I was pretty aware. We were all we were all pretty aware, but it was uh, it was, you know, it was still kind of up in the air. Our mm-hmm. our executive, you know, for sure had a grasp on the situation because it was it was. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a stage show, so they mm-hmm. must have lined up that choreography with her. So it was a, it was a sure thing, but the you know, the surprise was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it like it it was it did that cameo really did what everyone wants out of a good cameo. Gotcha. Um, but uh, Michael Shannon, I was kind of taken back by Michael Shannon. Um, he's an actor uh, that yeah, let's see, he was on like. Uh, What's that? Uh, uh, well, look look up Michael Shannon. <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> IMDb.com, people. Yes. Um, uh, Michael Shannon was awesome. You know, I'm, I'm always the, the person I've worked with the most um, that I respect the most. Um, and I still, you know, kind of like, okay, this guy's, this guy's awesome is, uh, is James Franco. I think that he's one of the hardest working people that i've worked with and mm-hmm. he just he just goes and goes and goes and he's a perfect example of someone who is just constantly you know like just in you can just tell he's in his head creating and, and you know in, in so many moments and, mm-hmm. and he, he just delivers and executes and he's got a great um, team of folks around him who are all his friends uh that help get that creativity you know made and and out there, but he does a lot of it um, on his own and with his internal producers. Mm-hmm. And, and, let me, and let me ask you, like, how important is it? Because I mean, I know you're good for it, but like some people, I mean, you, I don't know, you might have seen it or might not have seen it, but like, how important is it just to be like professional on the set, knowing that you're there to do a job, and not to like run up on celebrity celebrities and like take selfies and stuff like that? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's one thing called set etiquette. Yes. That if for all of you people out there who are listening. Uh, and you want to get into this industry, number one, number one, number one, set etiquette. Set etiquette is the most important thing. You got to be smart and aware and, you know, set, <clears throat> set etiquette, it, it's, a, it's a lot of things. It's not, it's not just, you know, knowing the right time to speak, but it's, it's, about, it's about being aware of what's around you so that you're not in the way and you can function as a part of this uh, you know this this engine that requires so many components to keep moving to keep this big picture moving um and uh and you just got you you be smart you be polite you do your job uh you know you show up with a smile because one one sh- one poor attitude can can truly affect uh, a lot of people because you work so closely you really are a work family 
Mm-hmm. You know, you spend more time in this industry with the folks that you work with than if you're lucky enough to have a significant other, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's tough. Um, so it, it's important to make sure that the workplace environment is, is a, is a place that, uh, that you can enjoy as well. Cause then it's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. I don't sure. need it. it goes back to the passion and just having a good attitude and everything. So yeah, I oh, yeah. get it. So let me, let me ask you, I'm real big on just having a growth mindset and, you know, like I'm always reading or audiobooks or podcasts or whatever, you know, just trying to grow as a person and professionally and stuff like that. So what you do you it. what do you do as a person to like grow in your career and as a person? Like is uh, it journaling? It depends on is what it? my focus is uh, at, at the time. I'm mm-hmm. very, um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very in my head a lot. And in order to to get these these ideas that come from you know reality um out of my head i I spend a lot of time uh structuring stories Mm -hmm. um i i I whiteboard a lot um and and there's nothing better to me than just a a whiteboard where i can just spill out all of my thoughts and all Mm -hmm. of all my ideas and then start linking them together to create a narrative and and figuring out the nuances of uh, of characters, and uh, so um, my 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 growth um, to me comes from getting out and working with what uh, is in my head. Really, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I I could probably do I I, re- I read I read books that I'm interested in, um, you know, developing mm-hmm. essentially. Um, I. You know, I have a Civil War story that I would love to tell, based on true, uh, based on a true character. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a lot of research on this particular uh, person, and uh, you know, I just, I just have, I keep multiple projects moving at once so that mm-hmm. I, I utilize my free time to, uh, you know, to have little progress, little progress, you know, mm-hmm. in each, in each time until I have that something that's ready to go you know definitely and let me ask you about how important because you've mentioned it several times just about that hustle the weekends after works you know you you know you said you're working on your um documentary on your days off on mondays so how important is it to like have your own side projects and passion projects or stuff you're trying to build in addition to like your everyday on set work uh you know to, to me it's it's critical Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I do it, uh, because I've had such a passion for this industry and such a love for, uh, for, for storytelling that, that I uprooted my life and decided to move across country to be here in LA to work on that. Mm-hmm. I, I intend to always have a side project because that's what keeps the passion mm-hmm. in me alive. Um, you know, when you, when you work on, uh, a show, you know, all all year round, or or you know, for for two months here and and two months there and three months there, um, you know, it, it allows you to have something to focus on when that you know when that uh, when that show wraps, and mm-hmm. then, um, and you know that for me, I will take a show in order to you know build up some funds and then focus on what I want to do. And that's what keeps me driven really. Yeah. 
And it's interesting you said like you you're so passionate about um, you know your your career and this industry that you moved across the country. So there's something like I've been just toying with this idea, kind of like this term I just call it like the common thread. And basically, pretty much everybody that I've spoken with um, has done something like that: moved across the country or taken a leap of faith, sold everything they own to go shoot photos around the world, just all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So what oh, yeah. do you, what do you think it is? Um, in people who are successful, like in creative industries and with their creative careers, that would make them want to just, you know, move across the country and just leave everything behind to go, you know, chase their passion. Uh, the common thread in all of those, let's see, I'd have to say, uh, it's, it's probably, um, it's probably a level of, uh, satisfaction Mm -hmm. and, from from passion like it, i get you know i i get unrest when i feel like there's something that needs to be said mm-hmm. um and and no one's saying it mm-hmm. you know and and just being like having having those moments of like you know i, I gotta do something like <laughs> I, I gotta do it and then getting up and doing it you know that that that's that feeling of unrest and a passion for, you know, making a difference um, is kind of what 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 drove me and what drives probably a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I totally dig it. I can dig that for sure. Um, so let me ask you. This is the question that I just ask um, everybody, and you know, there's no right or wrong answer to it. But it seems like for the longest time, there's always been like a conversation around success that it has to be like you know, big house, big car, you know, a lot of money, whatever. Uh, you know, yachts and boats and all that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, over the it seems like the last like five, six, seven years has been more about like experiences and like you know personal growth and like following your passion and everything like that. So, how do you define success for yourself? And have you had to like redefine it from like that old definition of just like a lot of house, you know, big house, a lot of money and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, you know, I would I'd have to say that I I probably you know at times had to had to redefine success. Um, you know, in my life, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but to me now, <laughs> I, I 100% define success on um, life experiences, you know, because mm-hmm. it all comes back to uh, life, mm-hmm. you know. And and to me, when I think of, you know, a, a, a happy life, it's, uh, it's, it's feeling like I have an understanding of the world and an understanding of it all. And mm-hmm. And that I've that I've done something positive for humanity in the process, you know. And that that you know, <laughs> I I grew up in the Boy Scouts, and uh, we were always taught to uh, leave a place better than you found it. And I kind of took that mantra and spread it across um, all aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know. And, and do you find like kind of like that need to say something that needs to be said or like to make a difference in the world? Like I know you've done, um, you know, some traveling and some traveling recently as well. Do you think that like gaining a broader perspective of the world has played into your need to like share stories and, and change the world? Oh, yeah. The, uh, you know, my recent uh, trip to Africa or South Africa really kind of opened my eyes. Um, and I had, a, I had a small opportunity there to um you know to to use my talents uh for good mm-hmm. um it, with a little bit of 
philanthropic efforts. Uh, I have a, a, a friend uh, from Germany who has spent the last, you know, four years dedicating her life to the helping the, the children in Botswana uh, have a better education of what's around them so that they can better themselves and better their families and help, you know, help grow mm-hmm. the community, you know, there. So I was able to actually go down there and uh, shoot a, you know, a marketing, a small marketing campaign for them. And it's little things like that that, you know, that are satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that the, all the while, you're, you're just taking in what's around you. Yeah, for sure. And, and just gain that broader perspective, like you said. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's why I love traveling. And, like, it's just so dope to just, like, go see, um, you know, meet new people and just see different places of the world. Then when you come back, it's like you have just, like, another piece that you can, like, apply to, like, your life and every day. And it always is going to be with you, so. Yeah, I mean, think about yoga. Where did yoga come from? What, Nepal or something? Yeah, Maybe. yeah. I think that influence yoga has on pop culture these days. You yeah, never definitely. know what you never know what you'll discover. Exactly, exactly. So, Jake, man, I definitely appreciate you coming on to the podcast. It was fun for sure, and um, hopefully one day because I know I stay on Drew like literally every week of like going out and shooting and stuff. So maybe one day I know I all, see it. Now. Well, I wish I had that. I wish I had you out here with me. <laughs> oh, it would be it would be all over the city. Uh, get, you know, get into it. But uh, yeah, when you come back this way, man, we'll definitely all have to link up and just go shoot something. But let everybody know who's listening. Um, you know where they can find you and everything like that. Okay, uh, you can find me. Uh, let's see, Instagram uh, at Jake Burke. Uh, I don't do much Twitter, but you can probably find me there if you search hard enough. Um, that's where I live. That's my Instagram. Nice. <laughs> you can go to you can go to my website. Hey, check out my website, uh, jrburkproductions.com. Uh, you can see some of my work there. You'll you'll uh, you'll see. Uh, you know some some commercials that I've done, uh, linked to the document, uh, uh, trailer for the documentary, and a couple other things in development. Very dope, very dope. Well, I appreciate it, my man. It was great catching up with you and chatting with you and everybody who's listening. This is the Creative Masters Podcast. This is Nobody Famous. Peace. So there you have it. That was episode 16 of the Creative Masters Podcast featuring director and producer Jake Burke. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of it. As usual, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nobody Famous. And don't forget to follow Machine Masters at Machine Masters on Instagram and Twitter as well as MachineMasters.com. And please, if you like this episode, hit up iTunes and rank us, leave a review, and share it out with your friends. Until next week, peace. Peace.